Time for Talk of the Town with Lisa Kay. Back on Talk of the Town today, it is another Focus on Egg. Our friend Ken Tisi on the phone with us, Farm Management Analyst and Senior Vice President from MinStar Bank. Kent, how have you been since I've spoken to you last? Well, doing good. I, you know, I, it's nice to see the sun out today, <laughs> a little bit of wind. Uh, we certainly like to see that temperature jump up a little bit, but... Uh, certainly looks more hopeful than it has for a while. I bet that's the weather service calling saying, you know what, some warmer weather's on the way. We could really use that. I mean, um, is it affecting our <laughs> spring planting yet? Is Well, it has, it's been a slow start uh, this year to spring planting for the second year in a row. We had a similar situation last year where we just had a couple <clears throat> brief windows in late April to get a little corn in the ground and some field work and and then really didn't get going till around the 5th to 7th of May last year. Now this year, uh, over the weekend, uh, things started with the wind, and uh, fortunately we didn't get a lot of rain through most of our region here. And I think by today, and certainly as we go on through this week, we're going to steal a lot of field work being initiated and some corn going in the ground. So... You know, we're we're a little later. You know, ideally, you'd like to get started probably around that 20th to 25th of April, but uh, we're still in very good shape. Uh, really, the soil conditions haven't been uh, very favorable for good planting or good growing. Uh, some of the seed that was put in the ground uh, 10 days ago uh, really has not uh, uh, barely germinated and certainly a long ways from emerging yet. So, uh so I think we're on target. A year ago, we planted, like I said, majority of the corn went in the ground probably from the 5th to the 15th of May in this area. And, of course, we had one of our uh, best years for corn yields uh, in recent years last year. So <clears throat> a lot of hope out there, I think, uh, that we once we get going, we can get both the corn and soybeans in the ground. Right. And how? what's the temperature supposed to be like for that to go in? So for the for the small amount of corn that went in and got planted, and you said you're worried if it's viable or not, there's time to replant that then, of course? I think we'll be all right. Most of the seed corn today is very strong. Uh, you do get a little concerned when uh, you get cool, wet soil conditions for too long that it affects the germination and seed viability but there first of all not that much corn uh, has really been in the ground more than a week so I think we'll be all right and you know ideally you like to have uh, the soil temperatures in the two to four inch range which is your kind of your planting depth and and just below that in the above 50 degrees that's 24 hour average and we haven't been above that since middle of April. We had that one warm week there, the second week of April, when we uh, got up to about 60 degrees or a little higher for average soil temperature. But it looks like here this week now, um, after today, I think uh, we should get that average temperature up above 50 degrees. And even at 50 degrees, <clears throat> it still takes about 20 days from planting time till the corn emerges. If you can warm that soil up to a 24-hour average of 60 degrees, uh, then that shortens that up to 10 days. So certainly if we can, uh, you know, crank the temperature up a little bit, I think uh, some of the forecasts here are talking some high 60s to low 70s for highs and lows uh, in uh, near 50 degrees, that'll put that average up, well, kind of where you want it to be for Good planning and good seed growth and emergence. So, uh, and I think once farmers get the corn in the ground, uh, 
they'll obviously be moving right into soybeans. Uh, once you get past the 1st of May, you don't worry too much about soil temperature because uh, uh, the day, if field conditions are fit, you want to get it in the ground because planting date becomes very important for final yield. So you want to get that in the ground. And, and ama- it's amazing today with the... Uh, size of equipment and the speed at which we can plant, uh, how quickly we can put a lot of crop in the ground. So I'm guessing this in the next uh, seven to 10 days, we're going to see a lot of a big change in uh, the amount of crop that's planted in this area. And that's just for our area that we're talking, but what about for the bigger picture? How are we looking as far as, you know, if we, if well, we you scope know, out a little bit? It's uh, been almost like a dividing line, um, really the whole month of April, uh, the uh, northern tier of the Corn Belt, which is basically Minnesota, North and South Dakota and Wisconsin, uh, have just been inundated with this cold, uh, wet weather. Uh, uh, in some areas have had a lot more rain, uh, even up, uh, you get up into uh, uh, places like Renville and Sibley County, McLeod County, north of here. Uh, they a week ago, or a little over a week ago, they had uh, four over four inches of rain. So they're still dealing with very wet soil conditions, and uh, and then you go further north, of course, in Minnesota and parts of the Dakotas, uh, uh, they've had still have some snow cover in some areas, waiting for the snow to melt. And then, of course, you have the flooded uh, areas near rivers and streams. Uh, uh, throughout, especially Minnesota and Wisconsin. So a lot of issues going on there. And now if you go south of there, in most of Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Nebraska, Missouri, um, they've had been able to get a lot more crop planted. They actually, a week ago, they were ahead of normal, uh, quite a bit ahead of normal for planting, and they were more than double their planting progress a year ago. So, so a lot different there. And certainly states like Iowa, Indiana, uh, Nebraska are very big corn growing states and soybean producing states. So when they plant uh, timely and if they have the right conditions, uh, that uh, may spell some pretty good chances for yield. Now, of course, it's a long growing season. A lot can change, but certainly getting the crop planted is uh, a very important first step in that. So uh, be interesting to follow it and see how it all plays out. Right. As far as weather conditions, uh, last year we were talking drought, drought, drought. Uh, this year we've had quite a bit of snowfall and a little bit of rain. And like, so are we doing better this year as far as moisture? Yeah, we are. Uh, obviously, we ended uh, the growing season last year, even in our own area, but certainly as you went into uh, western half of Minnesota and the Dakotas, uh, extremely dry. Uh, in fact, out at uh, uh, Lamberton at the experiment station uh, in Southwest Experiment Station for the University of Minnesota, they were at some of their lowest stored soil moisture levels in many years. And over the winter months with uh, uh, the wet snow and then some spring rains, uh, uh, we've kind of gotten back to normal stored soil moisture or even above normal in some areas. So that's one positive. Now, the area I talked about that's kind of ahead of normal in planting, especially Nebraska, western Iowa, parts of Missouri, Kansas, uh, those kind of states all the way down to Texas and Oklahoma are still very dry. Uh, in fact, uh, potential drought conditions in those areas. So they're, they're certainly not dealing with a much different situation. And even with the moisture we've had, uh, 
parts of western Minnesota and the Dakotas are still drier than normal when you look at the whole pattern. So, you know, it's uh, we're not out of the woods, but certainly to get the crops started, uh, we're in very good shape and uh, having some good moisture, at least in the early part of the growing season, uh, really in excellent shape. Now, obviously, a lot can change when we get out to the uh, when the crop needs a lot of uh, available moisture uh, and rainfall in July, especially July and into early August. But uh, for now, we're in really good shape as far as soil moisture. I know you wanted to talk about the drop in grain prices. Yeah, you know, it's been pretty remarkable. I think we've kind of, you know, uh, whether it's farmers or certainly the public, uh, I, I guess the statement I like to use were, we we uh, kind of got a seven dollar per bushel uh, for corn uh, mentality for prices, and the reality is more like five dollars a bushel. And you know, a year ago at this time, we uh, we had uh, forward prices for fall delivery last fall at six fifty to seven dollars a bushel, and a lot of folks uh, have kind of maintained that thought process and. And even uh, for, uh, you know, cash prices were up uh, in that range uh, earlier this spring uh, as uh, into March, even close to $7 a bushel, $6.50 to $7 a bushel. Well, cash prices now have dropped down to more in that six twenty to six thirty a bushel at ethanol plants and even lower than that at some elevators. And but as we start looking now for the crop we just talked about that we're putting out in the field, like I said a year ago, we were talking six fifty to seven dollars a bushel, and right now the local prices are uh, below five dollars a bushel at many mm-hmm. locations, and uh, they've dropped about sixty seven cents in the last uh, uh, six weeks to six to eight weeks. Uh, they were when they were up more in the five fifty to five seventy five range, so. Big change there, and same with soybeans. Um, you know, a year or back two months ago, we had uh, new crop prices for this fall at thirteen fifty a bushel, and now it's down to twelve eighteen. Uh, and this is at processing plants in Mankato, and even below twelve dollars a bushel at some local elevators. So again, it's dropped to probably a dollar twenty-five to a dollar fifty a bushel in a couple of months. So. Uh, a big change out there, and uh, as we look ahead to this fall, uh, this year's crop, we've talked in previous months about the higher input costs for uh, fertilizer and chemicals, higher land rent costs. Uh, uh, for most farmers, they're probably looking at a break even to cover all their uh, input costs and overhead costs of five to five fifty a bushel. Mm. And like I said, we're uh, in some cases below that level right now for the price being offered. And for soybeans, most farmers are probably in that 11 to $12 a bushel range. So again, we're kind of just barely hanging on, probably a little above at break even or a little above for soybeans. So much more concerning than it was a year ago when we really didn't have that issue to worry about. So I think what most farmers will be hoping is we get that, usually we get a spring or early summer price rally, and I think most farmers will be looking for that for possibly the potential to lock in a portion of their production to take some of the risk out of this year's crop. Right. I guess uh, we don't know the likelihood for increasing prices or anything 
in the coming months? Well, the likelihood, like I said, historically it usually happens. A lot of it relates to weather. Part of the reason we've had the price drop here in April was uh, some softening of some export markets and uh, the South American crop uh, ended up a little better than I think the plans. And then, uh, of course, uh, what we talked about in the beginning here, uh, uh, faster than normal planning progress in states like Iowa, Illinois, and Nebraska. Those are three of the four biggest uh, corn-producing states in the country, along with Minnesota. So when they're ahead of normal, uh, that uh, puts some pressure on the markets, especially this year they're talking uh, more corn acres, uh, 92 million acres, and and slight increase in soybean acres at 87.5. So the combination of increased acres and uh, yield potential uh, uh, puts some pressure on especially those new crop markets. Now, obviously, if we start to have some issues, either either with delay planning delays in the northern corn belt or if that drought intensifies in some of those areas, uh, that'll certainly uh, play into probably some positive aspects into the markets. I know that we're going to spend some time talking about farm income levels and the, the business management of the FBM summary that just came out. Yeah, it's uh, every year, uh, of course, the farm business management program uh, um, a fair number of farmers across the region are uh, involved in that, and every year they put out a uh, summary report that usually comes out the end of March uh, for southern and western Minnesota, and it always kind of gives a pretty good indicator of uh, where things were at for the previous year, and it's always kind of interesting to compare to other previous years. And uh, the report that just came out, it actually was a summary of... Uh, 1,476 farms across uh, southern Minnesota and west-central Minnesota. And uh, what it what it showed was that last year was probably one of the best years ever for farm income. The average was $311,240, mm. and the median farm income um, uh, last year was 100. It, well, that means half of the average farm incomes were higher and half were lower, was 177,614. So just a phenomenal year last year. And that was a combination of uh, very good yields and the very strong prices that we talked about a little earlier. All right. So uh, we've got high net farm income levels from last year. I mean, what does that tell us for this year? Does it, it does it all just depend on what happens? Yeah, I, I think that you really can't compare from year to year. You know, if, if you go back... You know, like I said, last year was one of the highest years ever. Uh, but if you go back uh, as recently, three years ago in 2019, the average net farm income, well, well the median net farm income, half above and half below, was only 36547 And uh, we had several years in a row there from about 2014 to 19 where we had very modest, uh, low farm income levels. So it's only been the last three years that we've had some really excellent farm income levels. And again, like I said, uh, that's an when you look at averages, if if you look at the low 20% of that 1,476 farms, um, the median net farm income of that group last year was only 13,238. So there's a wide variation out there in uh, what far, where farm income levels are at. And Certainly this year, uh, 
the yield and prices will be a big factor. And then also, uh, you know, it depends where folks are at as far as their cost of production. Uh, a lot of input costs and land rents uh, were up significantly this year compared to previous years. And the other factor, we've talked just crops, uh, livestock production certainly has not been as robust. Uh, last year, uh, uh, there was a loss uh, in hog finishing, and those losses will probably be even greater this year. The hog industry is really been hurting and uh same with beef very uh, modest incomes uh in beef production losses on cow calf operations so again uh you know i i think most people expect 2023 that farm income levels will probably be lower but how much lower i guess will depend on how the year plays out so kent if somebody wants to get a hold of this particular um the summary is there a way that they can do that yeah, the best thing you can do uh, if you want to get the uh, complete summary, uh, the University of Minnesota uh, Farm Management Program has a program called FinBin, F-I-N-B-I-N. And if you can just Google FinBin, it'll probably come up. Otherwise, just go to www.finbin.umn.edu. And it's a great site because you can tailor the information to your specific area and compare it to farms that you want. If you want to just look at cash-rented farms, if you want to look at just uh, uh, farms that uh, use conventional tillage versus uh, um, um, conservation-type tillage, uh, there you can. It's really a powerful tool, and you can compare as many years as you want in different counties, different areas of the state. So, very powerful tool. All right, I'm going to put that on the show notes here so people can click off and find that underneath us. Um, some odds and ends as we wrap up today, just some reminders for us as we're out kind of sharing the road yeah, with some big I machinery. Think, you know, as we get into the springtime of the year, it's always a good, re- just like it is in the fall, a good reminder about safety on the farm. Uh, farmers uh, on, on the farm uh, get very busy and so just pay attention, uh, get plenty of rest, take care of yourself. Also be aware of small children and uh, older adults that uh, may, as you're moving equipment and that. And then for all of us to be careful on the roads, uh, way too many farm accidents uh, uh, on farm vehicle and uh, with uh, transportation vehicle accidents happen this time of the year and part of it is awareness uh, a lot of activities going on in schools and kids going to school in the mornings and after going home after schools or sporting events uh, just realize that farm equipment doesn't move as fast as other vehicles and that farmers may be turning in the fields and just paying attention to what's going on around you and as we always say uh, stay off the cell phones and <laughs> and distractions as you're driving out on rural roads and highways. If you want to get in touch with Kent and get on the mailing list for the Focus on Ag newsletter, they just drop you an email, Kent? They can just drop me an email at kent.tc at minstarbank.com, or they can go to the Minstar Bank website and access the information there. Excellent. I'll put all those links on the show notes as well, Kent. Well, until we talk again, and I'm sure there's going to be stuff in the fields the next time I speak to you. I'm going to cross my fingers anyways. Uh, for that, but thank well, you so much. Well, I hope so, and uh, not just for the farmers, but for all those uh, gardeners out there and planning 
vegetables and flowers and all that good stuff. Let's hope for some good weather for that as well. It's Kent TC with Focus on Egg on Talk of the Town.